you need to go back and as a team work together to what defines your clinic because to what defines lap of love is very different than than something else right because we offer a certain type of service. What if you are a clinic servicing a you know low-income area? Like, what is your purpose? What is your mission? And then who are your lap of lovers and why? And you have to get buy-in from everybody. So I think the team needs to be a part of the process. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David List a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPause Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. This episode is sponsored by Thrive Affordable Vet Care. Looking for a thriving career? Make the change and find your why at Thrive. Now hiring clinical staff. Visit thrivevet.com careers today. We are super excited to have a very amazing guest, Dr. Mary Gardner, the co-owner of Lap of Love Veterinary Hospice. Thank you so much, Mary, for joining David and I today. We are super excited to have you here. (laughs) Dr. Mary in the house. (laughs) So, Dr. Mary, we have this tradition on our podcast to not read a bio and instead just give you an opportunity to tell us, our listeners, where you have come from, your journey to get where you are today. So without further ado, will you share with us who you are? Sure. So, um, you know, your listeners can't see it, but I'm uh, 6'1", so I'm a pretty tall girl, uh, blonde, and I'm from New York. And (laughs) I'm uh, definitely a bit on the goofy side and really just love to to enjoy life. But why did I get into veterinary medicine is probably the more earth-shattering question. And I definitely did not grow up thinking I would become a vet. I was, I of course loved animals, but, but I was not the scholastic type. Biology was my enemy. I liked home ec better or, or even, you know, shop class. And um, I just wanted to get through high school and, and maybe go to, to, to college, which I did. And I, but I was uh, majoring in marine science with the dreams of being just like a dolphin trainer one day. But um, I ended up going into computer software. No need to ask me why. Just weird twists and turns of life. I was right. in software for about a decade. And um, it was the death of my my first dog, my first heart dog, that just made me look into another career. And I was thinking about the experience I had with the veterinarians that, that took care of my dog while she was um, you know, sick. And I uh, just started to think, well, maybe that's something I want to try in life. And so I uh, quit my job. I actually uh, started to work at the Humane Society down in, in South Florida. I got a job as a kennel worker. So just scrubbing kennels and doing all that when, when I was in my early 30s and, uh, and, and just applied to vet school and thankfully got in quick because I, I don't know how long I would have lasted kennel working and then um, graduated from the University of Florida in 2008 when I was 35. So not really the normal path. About two years after starting in general practice, I was looking to do something else. And my vet school classmate and friend, Danny McVitie, was doing in-home euthanasia on the side. She was an emergency vet and was doing this on the side. And she she reached out to me and was like, you know, I, I know that you're looking to get out of vet med. What about this? And I thought, heck no, that sounds really depressing. But she then said that, you know, she would like to maybe have me build software to help her manage her day and maybe grow this to be not just one vet. And that's what intrigued me the most. So I went and talked to her for about two days and we made the business plan. We were like, yes, we will grow this thing. 
they will come. And I said, I'm going to go back to South Florida. I will ask all the questions. We'll write it down. We'll create the training, training manual, do all the marketing, what it is to open another location, and then I'll build software. And so it, that's how it started. And, and by the way, I thought the death of my pet is the reason why I became a vet. And so if, the, if I know how how life changing that can be. And so if I can make that experience a little bit better, like heck yeah, sign right. me up. And I get to geek yeah. out with some software. So this was like, you know, two hits that win, win. And so I developed the software about four months after starting, I, I started to design it in my head. And, and uh, now here we are almost 12 years later, we have over 200 vets that work for, uh, you know, that, that are Lapa veterinarians around the country. And we we take about 10,000 phone calls a week from families. We have 100 uh, receptionists that answer these phones and just a wonderful team. So what was, you know, Danny and then Danny and I just eating ramen noodles and making ends meet and figuring out what we want to do is now is now this. And we will help about yeah, 100,000 right. families this year alone. So it's it's grown and it's been That's awesome. Amazing. That is fantastic. Yeah. So from a girl that, yeah, you know, liked home ec. Right. You built something just a little bit different than home ec. That's right. I'm an alchemist, I guess you could say. If you could tell or share with us your uh, favorite CE or podcast or book or webinar or something that gave a lasting effect on you, something that was very powerful to you, can you share that with us? Well, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm looking at my bookshelf, right? And I'm I, I have so many books, but I don't read that much. And and I'm always amazed. <laughs> I, I, time, right? <laughs> yeah, like I'm amazed at these people. Like, oh, I've read this book and this book and this book, and they can like name so many. What happens to me is I'll I'll read a book and I'll get like in three chapters, and I'm like, okay, that, now I'm now I'm done, and I I don't finish them. However, the one book that was just life-changing for my for me and my in the way that I practice medicine and the way that I manage geriatric pets and the families that that love them is Atul Gawande's book Dr. Atul Gawande Being Mortal is the name of the book and it is the only book in my life that I've read like five times <laughs> that I've wow and cover to cover huh <laughs> right cover to cover it is dog-eared it is highlighted there's notes all along the edge and I love that book, and it's it is just about uh, the aging process and caring for our elder human population, and it just has so many parallels that I've added to my work in in what I do with end of life care, and so that's that's my favorite book of all time. That's amazing. Yeah. I would say you are probably, if not nationally, maybe internationally known <laughs> for your work with hospice and end of life care. Uh, so I just opened up your website, and okay. a, when you click about, and there's a quote from either one of you two or your veterinarian, it says, about Lap of Love, I leave an appointment with a trail of grieving people in my wake, and I feel a glow of satisfaction and rightness and karmic return because I know that I have done good and profound work. Mm. My gosh. And so then you kind of scroll down, a passionate network of nationwide veterinarians we believe all pets deserve peaceful end-of-life experiences all right dr mary you know you're known for veterinary hospice why is this area so important to you a passion for you and of all the businesses you could start with with a business partner why was it this one i you know danny and i were, were good friends in school and uh i think she was she was also very entrepreneurial in, in vet school and i appreciated that she both her and I had side businesses that we were creating and running. And so uh, I think knowing if you're going to, you know, get stuff done kind of girl, then that was her and I. And so I, I, I love that. And we, we were also very much yin and yang. And the qualities that she brings are the ones that I'm deficient in and, and vice versa. So it's really nice to have that that completeness between the two of us. Now, hospice, oh my gosh, I you know, I love a little kitten and a puppy, but there ain't nothing better than a gray muzzle, lumpy dog, or a crunchy cat that is, <laughs> it, I just, That's I, like if you've got this potato chip cat, like watch out, cause I might steal it. And uh, they're just amazing and the families that love them. So I, you know, I was always drawn to them when I was in general in practice, but really just being in their homes with the, with the families was, at first, it was about euthanasia, and how can I how can I do that well? How can I you know leave the leave the appointment 
with the karmic return, right? And then really I started to shift also into loving the, the year before they die and how can we help that family before they die. And so hospice, and you know, we can get into hospice more, is, is so close to when they die, but, but what about before that? And, and I just love uh, the, the oldies and then also the caregiving aspect of it. It's tough. I just went through about nine months of intense caregiving with my uh, dog. She was an Anatolian shepherd and thankfully I've been grounded because of the pandemic and I can't travel as much and I'm glad because that allowed me to be home with her and because yeah. if not I would have had to say goodbye months ago and uh, and it was and it's I learned from every one of my patients and and my families and how can we extend that going forward so um, th- I you know what there's there's so many different niches in veterinary medicine that there's something for all of us and mine just happens to be end of life so let's break this down, Dr. Murray, because you are nailing it on the head here. Let's talk about this hospice experience and okay. the service that you and Laugh of Love provide, not only to clients, but to patients. Tell us what that experience looks like, because as a, as a whole, I don't think we do hospice and end of life care. I don't think we do it well. And I, and I hate to say we do it sucky, but quite honestly... I think a lot of us, we do, we do it sucky. And so share that experience with us and tell us how amazing you handle this and what we can do to, to make a difference there in that, in that area. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to listen, it's not maybe sucky, but there's some room for improvement. Yeah. And, and right, I think we loads people, you know, dying, dying itself is not just a medical process. It's an experience. So the euthanasia in itself is a, is a massive experience and there's so many pearls and wisdom that I can give there. But right before that hospice, sadly, so many animals, the, the statistics is staggering where 50% of pets that are euthanized in the United States are not seen by their veterinarian for a year before they die. And that's, how is that possible? Right. And it's and it's reality. I, I, I we looked at I, I used um, Vet Success, the, the company out of Canada for yes. data intelligence. And we yeah. we sur- we looked at 500,000 euthanized pets in the United States. And if they were seen by their primary care doctor and and more than 50 percent were not in within the 12 months before they, they died. And that's horrible to me. That's the yes. most important time. They're so right. fragile. Like, oh, so first off marketing and what can we do and learning the home hacks and the tricks that we can that we could give these families to 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 give them the support so hospice is really about you know it's it's a family and pet centered type of of care that where palliation is 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 the is the center of it right so we want to make sure that they're they're comfortable there's no anxiety there's no pain and and that the family is supported as the the end comes close and and preparing that family to say goodbye and doing bucket lists and you know silly things like that, which I know some people may roll their eyes at, but it's do it yourself one day when you're losing yeah, your pet super and you'll, important. it's super important. So, you know, guiding them through their answering all their questions and really getting to them sooner than later. I just lost my uncle recently, two weeks ago, and he was, um, he was he had a prostate cancer which spread to his bones oh, I'm sorry and to hear that. oh it was horrible and the last few weeks he was he was in the hospital and nobody was saying hospice and and this is human medicine and they were wow. and, and I go there and I'm like Ed was not Ed like uh, it, he was a ghost of a man I I at this moment I saw him I thought oh my gosh and he has oral ulcers and no one's giving him ma- mouthwash that's oh, got wow. lidocaine in it you know like oh, all geez. these things and they're talking to him about getting yeah. him out into radiation again and I'm like this is spread to his bones guys like this is oh, you know and they would say right. well palliative radiation yeah. I was like he needs to be in hospice now so hospice in humans is is actually uh, can be started. It needs to be quote prescribed at six months before they that that uh, you know mm-hmm. six months before you die is what the mm-hmm. the theory is. Because there's a crystal ball for that, right? Of course, like I, yeah, that's right. that's my that's my pearl to everybody. Is that, yeah, no, right. So uh, so with Ed, uh, I was like, we asked his his oncologist, and he's like, no, no, he doesn't need hospice. And I'm like, why? Am I the only person? Nobody wanted to say the word because it feels like you're giving up. Oh. And that's where we need to change. Death is happening. It's going to happen. Yeah. But how right. can we make sure that we live well until we die? And that's what hospice is about. If, uh, if you can, you know, like like so TM, and then you, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, the sooner you start hospice, the, the better that person or pet will start to feel 
and you can actually extend life longer being well, right? And so my poor uncle, for the last two weeks, I was like, he needs hospice. Nobody was, nobody was like admitting it or talking about it, nothing. So finally, finally on a Friday, they said, okay, we need to move him to hospice. He's never going to walk again. His bones are too weak and all this stuff. So then it's the, then it's the dance of finding a hospice facility that can handle him and all this stuff. And then, so Sunday we move him in. He was so happy to get out of the hospital. He was thrilled. And he was like, tomorrow we'll have a little physical therapy. Like it's about you know, just feeling better. He was feeling so happy. Yeah. Physical, emotional. Yeah. Spiritual. Yeah. Let's be real about, yes. The, the, the priest came in everything. So, uh, so that was Sunday and Monday morning he woke up and he was just anxious and in pain, massive pains. And we had to, you know, give him some morphine and he never woke up. And I'm just so pissed because we could have started that sooner. And that's with our pets. Start them sooner. If anybody that's listening says, I have a family that that will not euthanize and I think it's time, start talking about hospice because that's going to change their mindset. But but I want to happen sooner. I, I think, you know, the moment you've got a pet that's got two months left to live, let's start focusing on palliation. I don't care about blood work or x-rays or anything like that. If I've got a cat that's a kidney failure, do you think the BUN number is going to make a difference? i got to get him eaten right. again it, or just right. feeling better. So, yeah. Um, I don't. I forgot where the question started, but I just went off on a rabbit hole. <laughs> oh no! I think you did. A, that was fantastic, giving us kind of an insight right. onto to yeah. why that's so you know so useful and important about hospice. Yeah. So you know, we also proposed a kind of side topic for this mm. uh, podcast, which was leading with integrity. And um, you know, I, I don't know you super well, but we've interacted a little bit now. But I know that you're close colleagues and friends with Erica Garcia, and you have a business partner and run obviously a nation- nationwide kind of multi-site business. And so I can only assume that you, and this is a quote from the dictionary, that you uh, are or have the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness, which is integrity. And so Andrea and I thought this would be a great topic. You know, you've been not only in the trenches as a veterinarian, but you're a business owner, work with vets, have a partner that's a vet, like, you know, all of that stuff. So, uh, you know, you're a leader, you're a business owner, you lead, I would imagine, in the double digits, maybe triple digits of veterinarians and, and, and support staff. So what's leading with integrity for you, Mary? And how has that shaped your business, you know, with this kind of leadership style? And, and what does that really say about you and, and how you feel about uh, how you run your company? Man, that, like that that puts so much pressure on me. I, that sounds so good. You know, I'm like, I never, I don't think I ever thought of that right and first let me just give a little shout out to my eric garcia my 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 bff (laughs) we're having him come on uh soon as well we cannot wait good okay good he's my little partner in crime um so you know i i I don't i don't know if, if in the in the beginning that's what i was thinking i was doing or we were doing or anything like that we just you just do the right thing and you do what you say you're going to do. Now, what the right thing is can be so different for everybody, right? And that's where I think some of our challenges are. It's just as as humans, you know, there's some basics, but but if I say I'm going to do something, I'm I'm going to do it. And and that sometimes can be a struggle for some people, but but I think what's what's been nice about Lapa Love is the mission of our of our work is what leads us. And if everything is about making sure that experience is so good for families, that if that's your beacon, it can be easy to, to just lead with integrity or be, you know, lead with love, lead with, you know, or, or do really good work because our mission is so strong and it's so powerful. It is, it is everything that, that, that we are, um, is to make sure that the family, when we're, when we enter that home as the angel of death, we leave the angel. And that's what that, but what can we do for that? And all the, and all the veterinarians that come and work for us, how can we make sure that we are, that we're supportive of them as best as possible and things like that. So, so I don't know if we were ever, you know, going out of the gate thinking that way, but I'll recently, well, I don't know, maybe three years ago, we, we had to think about our values. You know, everybody always says that, you know, like make your core values of your company. Right. right? Yeah. And I love, I love uh, Dr. Dave Nickel. He says, you know, values are sometimes just simply uh, aspirations. Oh, nice. <laughs> He's like, do so you really? And I'm like, oh, snap. That was good. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So I'm right. like, okay. And, um, <laughs> but what we did is we thought of some of the wonderful people that work for us. Some vets, some that in the IT team, some that are in the practice management group, or, you know, the, the call center. What makes 
that person, like, well, we picked like the people that we said, these are Lapa lovers, you know? And so we just said, okay, that is Cheryl. That is Cindy. That is Lena. That, I you love know, that. Right? Lap of lovers. Lapa yeah, lovers. Right? Like, well, I don't, we didn't know what it was about them, but like, those are the ones that just bleed purple. We say bleed purple because that's our color. So we're like, it, so we put them like, you know, on a piece of paper and then we just said, okay, what is it about them? that that makes them like that and so that's when we came up with our core values and the first one is truly love humanity and that is you know helping above all else and being humble about it and so when you're coming to work with us like these have to be your core core values and if they're not it's okay it's just that's not our fit our, our second one is passion about culture and, and making sure that that we do go above and beyond and, and our purpose like i said our beacon is always in the forefront uh and then our reputational excellence is every, is everything so making sure that we are the absolute best and kindest group of veterinarians to do this is not only important for the families but also for the veterinarians that refer to us. And when, when vets send us their families, these are ones that have been with them for the 12 years and you know, and, and they entrust us with their with their families. So it's easy when it's just Danny and I, right? Like we but when you now expand it to hundred to right. two hundred across yeah. you, you know, have to trust that they're doing that too. Right. So you have to really build the team that can help support those and make sure that those values are being are being met. And and it's 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 so I don't know about integrity like it's just to me it's doing what you say you're gonna do is integrity and I say I'm going to give the best appointment possible and and how is that? I'm gonna give my my hundred percent. And so everybody's accountable. We those those values, that is how we hire, that is how we, you know, give people promotions, that's how we let people go. No no hard feelings. But if reputational excellence is not your bag, that's fine. Just not here. And right. like that's that's really important. So Well, let's talk about that, right? Because I think when you say like it may not be the definition of integrity to you, maybe it's authenticity, right? Just being mm-hmm. real, but there's a commitment to saying I'm I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And so that there's a little bit of that combination. Like you said, you look at those people and you say, okay, what is it about those people? And so it may be not just leading with integrity or having one particular character, but maybe two or three different characters. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, when we talk about integrating this concept into our practices, how is it that practice managers can integrate this concept into into their own management style or leadership style? Yeah. Like, how can we say this is something that is or should be important in your practice? Yeah. Why should we? Give us a reason of why should we take this concept back to our practices? Well, I think if you don't build to, to whatever your values are, you're just going to have a, a, a house full of cards that can come down at any time. And and so you're you're going to be managing in misery at that point. So it's That's a great point, it's a great you know, point, right? So I think you can't just go back to your practice and be like, I heard this podcast with Mary in it, and now we're going to leave with integrity. Like, mm-mm. you need to go back and as a team work together to what defines your clinic, because to, what defines lap of love is very different than than something else, right? Because we offer a certain type of service. What if you are a clinic servicing a you know low-income area? Like, what is your purpose? What is your mission? And then who are your lap of lovers and why? And you have to get buy-in from everybody. So I think the team needs to be a part of the process. It's like when you go to conferences and you've got this list of 10 things that are awesome that you can't wait to go back and like change. And everyone's right. like- You get all excited uh, the first Right, you get all get excited. Back. And everyone's like, screw you. That's a whole change of our process. You're not in the trenches, whatever. Yeah. So really getting everybody involved. And then, you know, it's it's your code of ethics then. And you have to hire really well and, and ask really yeah. good questions to this. Like everybody on the resume is going to be like, I'm a, you know, team player. I love right? animals. Yeah. I love right. animals. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Well, great. Right. Right. Tell me an example when you were a team player. Like I, yeah. I suck at, at interviews, by the way. And Dave Nichol is like the, the genius yeah, behind those things. Yeah, he is a sure. go- he is a Jedi on these things. And every time I learn, I mean, he's my coach. He's one of my coaches. So, so I learn all the time. I also own a crematory on the side and Mm -hmm. in its heart like how am I trusting these people with these pets making sure that they do the right thing right and that's integrity right there I got to trust them so you got to hire well but you got to first find out what's what is the magic in the clinic first right right 
That's such a good point. I, I you know, I think that sometimes when we talk about these things or, or values, it's really important. And what I think a lot of times happening is we end up writing values that we want to be everything to everybody. Right. And and the values are very similar, right? Like honesty. Okay, great. I think everybody should be honest, which is not a bad value, right? Or integrity or whatever. But what we have to remember, and I think you, you know, pointed this out, is that, you know, if you want to work for UPS, well, it's not Disney. And if you want to work for Disney, great. it's not Target. And if you want to work for Target, it's not Walmart. They're different companies. And so it's totally cool for you to pick. And it's totally cool for you to not jive with their core values. And it's totally cool for their core values not to be the same as, you know, the other person's. Great. Um, is that right so, or wrong? It's, yeah, exactly. Right, just is what so, it is. Uh, and that's okay. Would, yeah, no, I, exactly. It's just, it is what flavor of person and what you align with, right? And, and totally. you know, so the cool thing about our industry is nobody, there's no staff, nobody can hire, but you also have a lot of choices, right? There's so many choices of where you want to work and yes. what you want to do. So I looked up the opposite meaning oh. of integrity in the dictionary and I found dishonesty and division. And I thought, that sounds like a veterinary wow, practice. right, right. <laughs> you know, so you've worked in practices and and you also have your own business, Mary, and, and your veterinarians, if they are with you full time, they may moonlight on the side or if they moonlight for you, they may be in a veterinary practice themselves. And I'm sure you hear all of this and, you know, you're a speaker and you hear through the industry. So what do you think are a couple, like two or, or, or even three common mistakes that we make in the industry in practices and management that that really kind of continue dishonesty or division in our yeah. in our teams or even gosh forbid create that right it's like the opposite of, of integrity I you know it's it, we we always hear it and it's so simple about like you know praise in public and 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 give the the bad news in private, private, yeah. Right, yeah. We 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 hear these things, but it's amazing how much the the little snide remarks are said that bring a divide. So I've been to some clinics where the manager will be talking, let's say, to one of the technicians, and they're like, I, you know, I, I keep telling those kennel workers to do X, Y, Z, or I keep telling the, you know, the receptionists to do this. They just don't listen. And like they're airing the dirty laundry to to one person that it's inappropriate to be doing that to, and and that's going to start to have a divide. Uh, and you know, meet, staff meetings are just not always efficient and and run well. We you know you have to have a. a I really think that having a, a coach is is important because I think we we go through our day monotonous of with our blinders on of just getting making sure there's no complaints, making sure everybody you know who's who's checked in today. Like you get your blinders, you need to have the vision and somebody help support you as a manager also with these questions and and uh, so I, I think sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot with being with our management styles because we're also all very friendly in the vet space and we're kind of scared. To, to you know be managers and, and be you know um, you know we, do, we don't want to be corporate everybody's all scared of corporate right yeah, no, I want the family feeling yeah. I want the family feel well you know yeah so do so do we at lap love but that doesn't mean it's Harry Carey you know it's like in your home mm -hmm. you have to have rules set up you have right. to have that or there's chaos and, yeah. or there's, yep, or there's exactly. chaos so not having that and everybody's so freaking scared of corporate the sound of corporate but it's not that it's it's it brings then people need to know where where their guardrails are like what what is it that I need to do and that's how they also know that they're doing a good job and and not doing a good job and it makes then evaluation really easy then too but um, so I think it's people are too scared to, to be to be quote corporate they everybody wants to be friendly and things like that which is great but you have to also, you know, put on the big girl pants and and that's right. and, and be a leader. And, Absolutely and, right. And we, you know, we're so, you know, people say, oh, everybody's so fragile and stuff like that. And then we're catering to some of that. And then you've got, then you don't want to let somebody go because, well, I'm too scared to let them go because what is that? What is it going to be to the team? I, like when you get rid of the weeds and you get rid of those toxic people, the flowers will come out. And like that is, I remember, I, I'll always tell the one story that uh, we had one veterinarian that was just being lackadaisical, she just would be late to appointments, not show up, very flippant about her records. And for us, when you do a euthanasia, you must go home and you hit a button, one button. I made the software super easy, one button. Mm -hmm. And it lets the, the the regular veterinarian know that we've that we've said goodbye to one of their families, right, to, their, to mm -hmm. their clients. 
And mm. she would just not do that for like a week or two. And, and, oh, wow. and oh, no. I, right. Mm. <laughs> right. No, like you're hitting reputational excellence right there. And just like integrity, like, right. So, right. Just do it. Just do it. And so she was in an area where she was the only vet. So she was doing appointments and here comes, you know, what do we do? And when we gave her the 30 days, the 60 days, all that stuff. But, but like she kept doing these things and the practice manager was, was making notes of all of them. And, but you know, if we fire her, what's going to happen in that area, we're going to shut it down. Right. We, we've got nobody to help those families. There goes a good revenue stream. You know, I'll be honest. And, and what are we going to do? So do we just power, you know, power through it and close our eyes and deal with it and text each other like how horrible it is to deal with her? And so finally, like another month goes by and I'm like, we're just done. Right. So Danny and I were like done. And I said uh, to her practice manager, I was like, hey, Nicole, can you give me the list of all the, you know, the things that she has done? Because we're going to let her go and, you know, blah, blah. And so she's like, oh, I stopped, I stopped keeping track of those things. I'm like, what? What? So she's like, I just, I never thought you guys were going to ever do anything about it. So I stopped. Ooh. I was like, ooh, right? So I'm like, uh, we let her Jeez. down, you know, because, because mm-hmm. we are thinking about the families, yeah. but I realized also right. she's not, the, the veterinarian is, is probably not doing the best job either in the homes. And so we're doing a disservice to it. So you gotta, you know, don't be scared to let, to let go of the, the bad ones. Because they're probably they're probably tearing up some of the other people that are there, t- picking up some slack or managing or you know having to deal with dealing with them. With that, Mary, what David and I like to say is, if we're recording this on a Friday and we send our managers back into the practice on Monday, what is something that they can do Monday morning before they even check their voicemail? Like, what can they do on their Monday to make a difference in their practice? One or two action items that we can say tomorrow, this is what we can do to lead with integrity within our practices. I would say first up, have a quick standing one-to-one with everybody. Quick standing up, don't make it a big deal and just say, you know what, what's going right with you? You know, like, you know, what are we doing well? And how, what can I do to help you? And tell them that you're there to help. Like, we're not just there to bitch and moan at them, right? What, what can I do to help you? And, and you know what, my crematory, I'm a little bit more probably hands-on directly with some of the em- employees because it's just a local thing. It's not as distance, right? And I'm always like, Kate, what do you need from me? What what can I buy? What what would make your day easier? What you know? And they he really likes that when I when I ask those things because then it gets his his opinion and his thought. Like I don't want to just ram down, you know. Well, I bought you this product and and but yeah. So just getting getting the, the beat on everybody. And that I think is the external thing you could do. I, one of the things that I love that we've done is we've, we've adapted something called the GWC. And that is uh, get it, want it, and have capacity to do it. And so we evaluate everybody. Do they get it? Do they get our mission? Do they get our product? Do they get our service? Do they get how we treat each other? Like we can have something that does a great euthanasia, but they treat their practice manager horrible. Like that's, she doesn't get it, right? So do they get it? Do they, do they want it? So I, listen, I, I get how our finances are, are important, but do I want the job of CFO? No. <laughs> not so, it. <laughs> not it, right? So do I want that? Another big mistake that people have is like, okay, you have a wonderful, brilliant technician. She's a rock star, like great. And then you're like, awesome, let's make her supervisor. Does she want to be supervisor? Does she want to be a manager? Do, you know, does he have right. the skill set, right? Yes. So, and and and, sure. and you're not going to be good at something you don't like, or, or you know, you're not going to like something that you're not good at either, right? Flip it around, and then the, so that's GW, and then C. Do they have the capacity to do it? And we have some of our some of our people will be like, oh, I want to be a practice manager, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I so first of all, I'm like, well, do you know what that is? <laughs> Like, first of all, right, right, right. Hey, let's define this. Right. Define it. Sounds great. Has the word manager in it. Do you know what that means? Do you just think it's money? Uh Uh-uh. Like, let me tell you the things that have to happen. And do you have the capacity to be adaptable, to think on your feet, to handle client, you know, situations, to figure out when a crematory is going to pick up because you have a 200 pound dog coming? Like, there's so many moving parts. Can, does your mind think like that? And I'm not saying smart or whatever, right? Like I think I'm smart, but I can't do our finances. So does, do you, do you have the capacity? And when you sit there and, and when you are thinking about some of your teammates and, and or people that work for you, do they GWC it? Do they get it? Want a capacity to do it? And if they've got three negatives, time to have a conversation to see if they're align, aligning with you or not. 
if they've only got one, if they got two even, I, I'm like, mm, if they got one, it's a, it's an easy talk. Listen, I, I know you get it and you want it, but but you don't have the, you know, what what do you need from us? Do I need to send you to training on Excel spreadsheets better? Because you're, you know, slow at them or something. Right, whatever it is, yeah. Whatever right. it is, right? Yeah. I, I'm trying to use all different uh, job skills Examples, here. yeah, right. Yeah, so that was the other thing that's more of an internal thing is, is GWC it. And when you have those one-on-one conversations, you might, you know, you will learn some pearls from your people on 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 that. And and giving them, the, the ones that you can, I don't want to say trust, but giving them the, the if they've if they've shown that they're responsible, that they know that they they've that they GWC it, um, giving them also some responsibilities to to you know what hey we got to redesign the you know the pharmacy cabinets why don't you come up with a come up with a plan and bring it to me right and give them people want significance they want to feel important yeah, yeah. Give they want to have autonomy over their sure. work yeah, yeah. Right. and you know what say listen for me it's do the heavy work and come back and let's yeah. Like, yeah right right, right. Uh, there's right. A, the geek in me wants to organize that pharmacy like nobody's business because i right. love doing that right. right but let them do let it let them do it you might yeah. not realize hey it's really hard to reach around the corner so let's put this one down here let them do it and then yeah. and then come so all these little things yeah so this is a point in the podcast where we can sit and kind of chat about these encounters that we've had, either with clients or practice owners, maybe it's been with our staff, these things that happen that like, you know, your eyes pop out of your head like pugs, you know, your chin hits the ground, tongue rolls out, like palm hits the forehead. No way. You cannot make this up story. Can you share with us your favorite you can't make this shit up story? Oh God! Like you know, when you're in, in home euthanasia, <laughs> you've got stories left and right. I mean, like there are <laughs> I bet. there are there are some that I can't actually speak oh, wow. about. Like that's how bad they are. I can uh, imagine. And uh, but there are and there so that are, are drinks at the Marriott bar one day at a conference. But um, like honestly, I've seen. I've seen hoarder houses where where I can't even you know maneuver. Uh, I remember one time I had to help this Newfoundland, and I Newfies are like my my nemesis. I just can never hit the vein on a Newfoundland, and so I had to euthanize this Newfoundland, and it was it was in California. And, and I d- did a horrible job, guys. Like, I just, I didn't get the vein. Oh, no. I, uh, no. I, I went intrahepatic, but it took forever to pass, right? And internally, I'm like, please go, right? Like, I'm just willing the, you know, Mother Nature to help me along, even, <laughs> oh, right? Boy. I'm like, please. The woman was so upset at me, just cry. You know, it's just, I'm not perfect, right? And I'm trying. I'm like, ah. So anyway, it's, it's starting to rain, and we're in their garage, and it's starting to rain, and so then, so then I'm trying to make up for for all my my misgivings in the whole situation. So they wanted to bury the dog, right? So I was like, okay, and, and so I'm like, oh, well, gosh. a Newfoundland, Newfoundland, right? So I'm like, can we? I was just like, um, you know, I said, well, why don't I, why don't I help carry him out with you guys, right? So okay, now I don't always, do, I will, you know, occasionally or whatever. But now I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta be above and beyond now because I've, I don't feel like I gave my best. <laughs> So I'm gonna yeah, get. Uh, so right. I'm gonna go above and beyond. So we, I, so we carry this beast, you know, as a newfie, right? So we're carrying on my little stretcher, and my stretcher is like. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my god. For chihuahuas. Like, oh. <laughs> so they're like, well, so they lived on uh, their house backed up to like a hill. This is California, where there's hills, and I, you know, I'm from Florida, where it's all flat. So, but so we have this hill, and there's like this rickety old wooden staircase that that goes down the side of the hill and for whatever freaking reason they wanted to, to bury him like on the side of this hill so i'm like oh my gosh so i'm so i'm carrying i'm like and we're going down these rickety stairs and we're going down and now it's raining more so like my hair's all matted to my face and the mother's still mad at me i'm like i am i am oh, like no. doing the bet i'm at the i'm at the the end of the like going down first so all the weight is coming on me right i'm like bah. Oh no! And it's raining, slippery. slippery. So then there's the hole, and so I'm like, all right. So we can't, you can't just like put the dog in jet. Like you got to do it night, right? So I'm like, and I am, and I'm big, right? So I'm like straddling the hole. I'm trying. I'm like, Mary, you just you just gotta get in, right? And so, <laughs> so I get in the hole, oh, and I'm no. trying to like do it. And it's raining, and the dog gets in with me, and like all like the 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 sides just start to like cave in. <laughs> 
like, oh, and I'm like, oh shit. Um, and I feel like it's poltergeist where like the rain is coming and there's dead and people and stuff. And it's just, and the woman is still mad at me and it's getting dark. And it was just, and for me to climb out and I'm like climbing out the side and it's just, I'm just clawing at the mud. And it, I finally, I finally did get out. Right. I finally got out. But, and then I was just, I was just covered in mud and sweat and, and it was just horrible. I mean, these are, but I, but I loved that story. And, and I, you know, she still did, you can't make it up. And she still probably wasn't happy with my service, but I went above and beyond after all of that. Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Mary, we also have another favorite section in our episodes where we do these rapid fire questions. They're meant to be this Freudian slip, the first answer that pops to mind. Um, And sometimes there's a little lead up story there, which we love to hear. So if uh, you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's do these rapid fire questions. Bring it. Okay, let's do it. Tell me about your most epic failure and why that left a lasting impact. <laughs> Probably my poltergeist story. Uh, <laughs> epic failure. You know, I make I make micro failures all the time, and I I like they're just every day I make a failure. I think. Mm. You know, probably little things like not reading, uh, not reading contracts well, <laughs> which I can't get into some <laughs> of them. But I think I, there's there's been a, a few of those contracts that I probably should have read the the fine print that the have been print. massive impacts for me. So that's my everybody as horrible as it is to read it, read the read the fine print on everything because can't go into details. But that's been some of my biggest fails. Tell me about your proudest moment. Oh. Um, my proudest moment was recently. So, so last February, well, last January into 2020, I spoke at VMX. I've spoken at VMX for the last like eight years. And, uh, I was, I was with Eric, my good friend and I were together Mm -hmm. and in February at Vegas. And we learned together that I won speaker of the year for small animal medicine and he won speaker of the year for practice management. And we just worked so hard on our, on our presentation and traveling and, you know, leaving our families. And and we, we spend so much energy and time into presenting that to get that recognition is, is amazing. But to, but to get it the same year as him was so much fun. So I think, I think learning I won was like, it's like, the Oscars for us. So that's my proudest moment. Why veterinary medicine? What do you love about our profession? I love that we really do have so many other niches uh, and, and avenues that we can get into. No matter who you reveal that you are a veterinarian to, their instant reaction is, what practice do you work at? And, and then, of course, for me, I have to get into this whole conversation because so unfortunately, everybody thinks that all you have to do is GP and there is nothing wrong with 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 practice. Like I, I love I loved when I when I worked in general practice, but we have so, so many opportunities. Yeah, that, so much you more. know, so much more, whether it's, you know, public public health, uh, education. To, to industry, to technology, to, to writing. You know, there's there's so many veterinarians that are beautiful writers and they work for trade pubs. So there's so many things that we could do with our degree. And I'm sorry, uh, I love me a good animal and I love helping animals. Right, so I'm going to go right. back to the basics of what better creatures to help than, than the ones that we get to every day. Yeah. There's a lot of buzz about self-care in our profession, especially recently. Can you tell me a little bit about how you practice it and how you decompress? Uh, I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't. I'm probably needing that course. Um, so so self-care is tough. So first step is recognizing it. I, I'm one of those people that I, I see the meditation and I see the yoga and I want to run the other way. Like that is the furthest thing that I ever <laughs> right. want not to it. do. I, not it, I don't want to get it down. To, the only yoga I want to do is goat yoga. So like, but, 
there'll be little things like I like getting my my pedicures every other week. I you know I mm-hmm. I, yeah. I have a housekeeper and. But, you know, there's times where I don't mind cleaning the toilet. It gets my mind off of it. So my self-care, though, probably is allowing myself some guilty pleasures. And my guilty pleasure is basically any TV show on Bravo. (laughs) So I am am a huge housewives of whatever. Just because I could sit there and basically drool and and not have to, like, think of anything. I I should be reading all these books behind me. But uh, so it's that. So I'm not the best, um, you know, uh, advice giver, but but it's okay. Also, I'm a workaholic. I'm a Wolverine when it comes to work. So working, actually, I love it. So to me, my self-care is making sure that I am doing something every day that I love. And that's what's most important. The moment you hate it, get out. How do you balance work and life? And do you have any of that work guilt or home guilt in that balance? Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's not easy, guys. So, uh, yeah, I uh, probably my, my biggest fights at home is that I work too much. Mm, and I yeah, am seven right. days. I'm on. I'm getting text messages. I'm always I, but I've always been like that even before veterinary medicine. So um, so I get that that guilt from my family. And it really bothers me because I because I just want to I love it. So how can this be? So my my balance is definitely not balanced. I'm, I'm completely out of balance. I, I definitely work a lot. But I also know that it's not a daily balance thing. It's, it comes in waves and there's going to be, you know, periods of time where work is light and just take advantage of it. Like, I know I'm a workhorse. So, you know what, if I'm done at two one day, just go ride a bike. Like, don't worry about it. But I, I love what I do. And if anybody was to say, you need to stop working 20%, I would want to kick them in their, you know, in their knee. <laughs> their nether. I'll keep it clean. I'll keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throat punch them. What keeps you up at night? That things that completely stress you out or that cause you anxiety with your uh, practice? Yeah. Um, gosh, so many things. Running out of euthanasia solution. That's a big one. Oh, <laughs> Lordy. Just, right. <laughs> that might be a problem. Which, which is which is a problem. Uh, I think what, what keeps us up at night right now is that we have so much demand that we can't keep up with. We have 50 full-time paid full-time jobs. We, pe- most of our vets don't do this on the side. Most of them are W-2 full-time employees. We have 50 openings because we are just turning wow. families away. That keeps me up at night is the fact that we can't help these families. They love us. They call us. They're, you know, the, our, our receptionists are just overburdened. And, uh, and, they ha- and so one time, one year I, I asked our, our, we call them care coordinators. So our care coordinators, I said, you know, what's the, what's the hardest part of your job? And everybody assumes it's, oh, it's dealing with sad families and stuff like that. Just like us. Oh, Mary, you must be so crazy because you deal with sad families all the time. So, but our receptionists, our care coordinators said, no, that's not, that's not the worst part of our job. The worst part is saying no, that we, yeah, that we're fully we committed, can't. that we can't, yeah. we can't help. So mm-hmm. for, for that keeps me up is that we can't keep up with our demand. I mean, it's a beautiful thing that families are wanting our service, but it's bad that we turn them away. And that's, I, I, I hate that's seeing rough. their, mm-hmm. I, it's, I hate seeing that. What gets you up and out of bed every morning? What excites you to get your day going? Um, I would uh, love a good breakfast. <laughs> that gets me out. Food motivated, some nice. Food, like banana pancakes, some Oreos, like all that good stuff. Uh, I I really love problem solving. I, I also enjoy designing software. I'm such a geek about that. And uh, I love th- waking up thinking, okay, what are we going to build in our software? So our software, by the way, we have now four full-time programmers. I have three product managers five wow. trainers like oh it's massive so so like it, people don't understand sometimes how how big it is my our technology team is massive and i love sitting with the product managers and i'm like all right how do we figure out this problem yeah right very cool yeah right i right. love it so i i love figuring out a problem and it's it's usually technology based and you know there's a lot of people that reach out to me you know can you be on my advisory board or what do you think about that and i love that too to help to help out people that have Get ideas back. as mm-hmm. well yeah yeah Let's wrap up with an outro question. If you could give one piece of advice to our listeners today, or maybe even your younger self, what would it be and why that? God, I made so many mistakes. My younger self, I mean, everything from fashion mistakes to like uh, boyfriends. <laughs> right. so, so I yes, think I'd probably give, 
<laughs> all of the above. I, I think my biggest thing is, uh, you know, to be humble in life is such a wonderful trait. And, mm-hmm. you know, so humility. And, and I think I've always I've always tried to have, have done that. Um, so if there was, uh, you know, if that, that would probably be my little piece of, of advice. I, uh, you know, so many people when when, you, when when they're asked that question, they, you know, be kind to each other and, and stuff like that. But you know what? Freaking have fun. For God's sake, this life is so dang short. Short. And, and like, have fun. And that may be you are a workhorse like me and be a Wolverine, but you gotta be having fun with it. And I think if anybody knows me in person, I'm the goofy one. I'm the, I'm the jokester. I'm yes. the laugher. I'm like, you, sure. you know me in person. Sure right? a good so time with Mary. <laughs> I, like smile, be the reason someone smiled today. I like that. <laughs> Fantastic. And that's a wrap, Miss Mary. Thank I like you. it. Mary, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming You're on. Welcome. Oh my it was gosh. fun. It was, it was great. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, let me know if you guys need anything else from me. Fantastic. We super appreciate this. Have a good, (laughs) fantastic weekend. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you. Good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a -A P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a -A P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.